just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Friday. We're about headed into a weekend. Maybe things will slow down a bit, but we've got so much shit going on. In fact, we've got some shit going on right here in the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, Seems like shootings are happening everywhere, and there was a shooting at the Mall of America last night. Now, It wasn't your standard mass shooting because I don't think anybody was hit or nobody died. It may be gang-related or something, but they locked down the Mall of America. People were hiding in stores and back rooms and such, and I think everybody got out um, just fine, including the culprit. Apparently, he exited the building, and uh, they tried to follow him, and they lost him. So there was a shooting in the Mall of America. Uh, everybody's safe. That's the good news. The guy who did the shooting is also safe someplace because they didn't catch up with him. Now, if you live outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul, you've heard of the Mall of America. It's a huge fucking mall. It's got everything possibly in it. It's even got a kid's amusement park in the Mall of America. But if you don't live in Minnesota, you may not know this. (laughs) Most people in Minnesota don't go to the fucking Mall of America. I've probably been there, you know, since it opened up, what, 20, 30 years ago, maybe eight or nine times. It's just a shit show when you go there. You've got um, issues with crime. You've got issues with gang violence. You've got... It's, it's fucking crazy. I mean, I used to take my kids when it first opened or when it was early on opened to uh, Snoopy World or whatever it was called when it was called that. It's something different now because it was an easy place to go and get your kids on some rides and have some fun. But we quickly stopped going there because it was just too much. We have other malls in this country or in this state, I should say that are smaller, more sedate, easier to deal with and and contend with. And that's where people mostly go. Uh, I think if you're going to the Mall of America, chances are you're a tourist. I know a lot of local people do go, but most people I know won't go to the Mall of America. You would think you have this huge mall with all these resources in it. People from uh, locally would just flock to it, and they don't. Um. It's it's just not the greatest place to go to. I mean, it's a beautiful place, and it has all these things, but it's a lot of fucking work. I mean, if you're shopping and you go out there, you got to do a lot of walking, which is okay, and it's healthy and all that stuff. But for me, when I'm shopping, I want to get in, buy what I want, and get the fuck out. I'm not looking to make it a day, especially when you've got some crime and some gang activity in this place. And the shooting yesterday is a perfect example of why I don't go (laughs) to the Mall of America. I don't go to many malls at all, but when I do, I go to the smaller malls. We have a mall in Edina. It's called Southdale. And I believe it opened in the 60s, and I believe it is the first indoor mall in the country. Nice place, but it's, it's weird going to these malls now. 
They seem to be dying. In fact, some big malls that have been open for a long time in the Twin Cities are now no longer in operation because they can't keep the stores in there. You know, everybody's buying everything online. People aren't walking into stores anymore. So we're seeing a complete culture change. When I was young, malls were everything. We always went to the malls. Hell, my wife and I, when we were really young and we had a small baby, we couldn't afford anything, but we needed to get out of the house. So we'd take the kid and uh, just walk around the mall because it was someplace different. Uh, but I, I don't know that people do that. I think malls largely are used by elderly folks <laughs> to walk around. You know, you always see that when you go there. You see the older folks doing their walk like a walking track all around the mall. And uh, they let them in there to do that. And, and that's nice, but <laughs> not too fucking profitable for the uh, for the retailers there. So anyway, we had the shooting at the Mall of America. If you come to town, you want to see it, cool, go see it. But once you've seen it, you really don't need to see it again. Uh, I don't go there much. I don't shop much anyway. But my wife is a big-time shopper, and she won't go there. It's a weird thing. You'd have this big destination-type thing like the Mall of America, and the people in town don't go to it. (laughs) That's why I always wonder if people who live in Arizona actually go to the Grand Canyon. It's weird because I lived in Arizona, northern Arizona, for about a year. And I was young. I had a shitty job at a shitty radio station, didn't make a lot of money. But I was maybe 100 miles from the Grand Canyon. Not once did I go to the Grand Canyon. I still have never been to the Grand Canyon. Um, I don't know why. But uh, when I lived down there, of course, you're working six days a week. You make no money. You're saving enough enough to buy a Safeway burrito for dinner. You don't have the money for gas to drive 100 miles to um, to the Grand Canyon. So I never went to the Grand Canyon either. It's weird. Anyhow, let's talk about some of the stuff that's going on. And the big news, of course, is that dumb fuck Alex Jones. My God. <laughs> talk about fucking around and finding out. He is truly finding out right now. And uh, we've got at least one answer to how much money he's going to have to pay the Sandy Hook parents. Right-wing talk show host Alex Jones will have to pay the parents of Sandy Hook shooting victims a little more than $4 million in compensatory damages. A jury decided Thursday capping a stunning and dramatic case that showcased for the public the real-world harm inflicted by viral conspiracy theories. Now, the award from the jury was far less than what the plaintiffs Scarlett Lewis and Neil Heslin had asked for. At the start of the trial, attorneys for Lewis and Heslin asked the jury to award their clients $150 million in compensatory damages. But don't get upset because it's not over yet. In the next day or two or maybe next week, they are also going to find for punitive damages, for punishment. And there's where we might start to see some bigger numbers. Numbers that could very well bankrupt Alex Jones and his company. Here's something else to remember. This isn't the only defamation case he has to deal with. He's got two other ones that are coming in the fall. So he's not even close to done here. 
A separate shorter trial during which punitive damages will be discussed is now expected. Punitive damages are awarded when the court finds the defendant's behavior to be especially offensive, which it was here. Mark Bankston, an attorney for the parents, told CNN that the plaintiffs are happy with the jury's decision, noting that they, are also, they had also received money prior to the trial due to sanctions the court had hit Jones with. Having already secured $1.5 million in fines from Jones, the plaintiffs are now due $5.6 million that Alex Jones will have to pay them. Now, I know he's going to try to game the thing. I'm going to file file bankruptcy and then I don't have to pay him. Nah, that's not how it works. Now, Neil and Scarlett are thrilled with the result and look forward to putting Mr. Jones's money to good use. Bankston added, Mr. Jones, on the other hand, will not sleep easy tonight with punitive damages still to be decided and multiple additional defamation lawsuits pending. It is clear that Mr. Jones' time on American stage is finally coming to an end, and an attorney for Jones could not immediately be reached for comment. Yeah, he was he was probably looking through his files that he wanted to send to the J6 committee. Now, Jones himself celebrated the jury's decision, calling it a major victory for truth in a video posted online to his conspiratorial outlet, Infowars. And, you know, this is what they always do. Donald Trump, the trump and now Alex Jones. They get their ass kicked and they come out and say, see, we won. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. You tell us how well you run, how well you won when you're writing that checks for $5.6 million to start. The decision from the jury is a partial ending to a years-long process that began in 2018 when Lewis and Heslin sued Jones and his company, Free Speech Systems, which is... Infowars parent. Jones baselessly uh, said in the aftermath of the Sandy Hook shooting in which 26 people were killed that the incident was staged. Facing multiple lawsuits, Jones later acknowledged the shooting occurred. He testified in court this week. They got him to say it, that Sandy Hook was 100% real, in spite of the fact he spent 10 years saying it wasn't real. But Jones failed to comply with the court orders during the discovery process of the lawsuit. His failure to do so led to Heslin and Lewis winning default judgments against Jones. You may not remember this. When the trial first started, Jones just didn't fucking show up. He didn't put up a defense at all. So he lost by default. And now they're choosing uh, as to what the the parents will get as far as compensation from from, Jones. Alex Jones. This is the arrogance. I don't have to show up, and if I don't show up, I won't get sued. Well, sorry, Alex. That's not how it goes down. Judge Maya Guerrera Gamble ruled in October that Jones was legally responsible for inflicting emotional distress on Heslin and Lewis. Gamble also ruled that Jones was liable for defaming Heslin. Jones claimed in his testimony that a jury award of $2 million would destroy him financially. Yeah, I doubt that. But the accountant who is now in charge of overseeing Jones's company free speech system, 
the parent of his conspiratorial media outlet InfoWars, testified in bankruptcy court Wednesday that Jones withdrew about $62 million from the company over 14 years, of which $30 million was paid to the IRS. At least he's paying his taxes. We got that going for us. The jury's decision, while far lower than what the plaintiff's attorney had asked for, sends a message to those who propel lies into the public conversation, whether for political power or financial gain, that there can be consequences for such behavior. And that, you know, that's one of the things we have to shut down. The Republicans, the Trumple fucks, they think they can say absolutely anything. Truth has no bearing at all. They can say whatever the fuck they want. Well, now they see that there is going to be some consequences. Now, during the trial, Heslin and Lewis offered emotional testimony telling the jury that the lies pushed by Jones stained the legacy of their son, Jesse, and tormented them for years. Fighting back tears at times, Heslin told the jury that Jones, through his conspiratorial media organization, InfoWars, tarnished the honor and legacy of his son. Heslin said that he couldn't even begin to describe the last nine and a half years of hell he has endured because of Jones and described in detail how he fears for the safety of himself and his family. It's it's not even just about disrespecting or or staining the memory. You've got all these crazy fucks, these all these Trumpla fucks, these Alex Jones freaks threatening these people threatening their lives because they believe what Alex Jones said. Now, Alex Jones just said it was 100% real, even though for nine and a half years he said it wasn't. Of course he's going to say that. He has no choice. There's been no proof that he is even close to right. He made this shit up. He pulled it out of his ass and started spewing it only because he knew it would gather listeners and viewers and it would make him money. And clearly it did make him an incredible amount of money. The accountant testified that InfoWars had received about $9 million in cryptocurrency donations and that they went directly to Mr. Jones. The decision to punish Jones in such terms also comes at a seismic moment in American society where the lies and conspiracy theories have flourished in recent years. Now, at this point, nobody's there to try to back up Alex Jones. He doesn't seem to have many friends. In fact, you know, he's like roadkill. He's dead in the water. And nobody wants to even come close to him. This this trial has turned into such a shit show with his his uh, lawyers turning over 300 gigabytes of his cell phone text messages and emails. They know this guy's going down, so they're going to separate themselves very quickly from Alex Jones. <laughs> but they're not the only ones. Uh, one person who has separated herself from him now wants to lend a hand in taking him down. The ex-wife of InfoWars conspiracy theorist Alex Jones expected he was having a moment of sudden comprehension after he was found guilty of defamation after lying about Sandy Hook and the elementary school massacre. Now, on Thursday, the jury, as I said, ordered Jones to pay $4 million in compensation. In compensation, what am I trying to say? Compensatory damages. 
His ex-wife, Kelly Jones, told Inside Edition, oh, there's a bastion of journalism, but are they any worse than Fox or fucking uh, CNN? I don't know. I know that he's hidden money. I think he's got a lot of buckets under a lot of shelves, she said. She also discussed the fact that her husband's lawyer inadvertently sent the entire contents of his cell phone to the plaintiff's attorney. It could have significant implications for the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The attorney, Mark Bankston, said he intends to cooperate with efforts to obtain the evidence by the Department of Justice and the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. Now, of course, Alex Jones is saying, they got that illegally, they did this, they did that, it's not fair, it's unconstitutional. Two things to consider here. First of all, his own attorneys sent it to the parents' attorneys. Just sent it to them, whether he did it by accident or on purpose. And I'm not so sure they did it by accident. I think they are covering their ass. Because, you see, they were asked for this information a year ago as part of the discovery process. And they said, oh, we don't have that. That doesn't exist. Alex Jones said that very thing. I don't think I have any text. But then all of a sudden, poof, they show up in the attorney's uh, for the uh, the parents' mailbox. And look, they are there. You have to wonder if the lawyers for Alex Jones didn't think, uh, you know, hiding this stuff is probably not a good thing. We can get disbarred for lying about this shit. We're not going to give up our professions for this fucking idiot, Alex Jones. So I have a feeling they may have turned it over uh, willingly and acted like they didn't. Because now they're saying, we got to have it back. We got to do this. We got to do that. Well, you sent it to them. You were asked for it, said it didn't exist. But still, it somehow showed up. This is information that should have been turned over to the court long ago. So... The judge basically said, yeah, no, nah, we're not doing that. You had your opportunity. Now that's done and gone. And if the J6 committee wants it, they're going to have it. And you can bet that the attorneys for the uh, parents are going to send it to them. Because you see, with these parents, money was part of it. That was really the only way they could punish him. But they're just as happy to see him taken down from his business, from his broadcasting empire and taking out of the equation. They're going to be just as happy as that. And the fact that Alex Jones was a big part of the January 6th insurrection, he was at the ellipse when Donald Trump was there. He spoke before Donald Trump. And then he was told, and he mentioned this on his show, that he got a text or a call from the White House saying, you're going to lead the march to the uh, the Capitol. Now, we're hearing that there are definitely some texts between uh, Alex Jones and uh, Roger Stone. And if he's talking to Roger Stone, there's a good chance he's talking to uh, um, Mark Meadows and God knows who, Jenny Thomas. This is going to be a tranche of... Uh, information that's going to be incredibly damaging, not only to Alex Jones, but to those people he interacted with in and around January 6th. And let's be perfectly honest, this guy 
is fucking nuts. He is as corrupt and criminal as anybody can be. There could be any numbers of crimes in those text messages. Now, in a previous podcast, Ed Jones said that they found the possibility of some child porn on that cell phone. I said I would dig that out, and I've been looking for it, and I don't see that. I did see a story sometime back about stuff he was sending out that somehow had a child porn attached to it, emails that he was sending out, and I think even to the parents, and it had child porn attached to it. Now, he's claiming he was hacked, and that's what happened. I can't believe he'd be stupid enough to do that, but, you know, he was stupid enough to leave the courtroom and say that the judge was corrupt and involved in pedophilia and that the jury was a bunch of blue-collar idiots. He had the stupidity and ignorance to do that. So who knows? I mean, this guy is a full-on narcissist. He thinks anything he says is absolutely gospel, and he can do whatever he wants. I mean, he even said, well, they can they can award this money, but I'll just file bankruptcy, and then, and then, then I'll be free and clear of this. Well, no, you won't. They look into why somebody files bankruptcy. And if you're doing it under fraudulent terms, that's illegal. That's another fucking crime. Not to mention the judge herself said that he was caught lying on the stand during this trial twice. So now perjury is on the table for this fucking idiot. Kelly Jones is also seeking information in in her ongoing child custody battle. She has also reached out to the House Select Committee offering relevant insider info. So she might testify to the January 6th committee. I think we definitely saw him getting caught committing aggravated perjury, she said. I think you saw somebody really having what we call in Texas a come-to-Jesus moment, or whatever you want to call it. And I think that the cat's out of the bag, and a lot of people are going to be interested in that information. There's got to be a lot of people who regularly deal with Alex Jones that have to be nervous, too. They can try to hide their text messages and emails, but 300 gigs of information from his cell phone. And now... The attorneys for the parents of Sandy Hook have it, and they're turning it over because it's being subpoenaed by the January 6th committee. Once it gets there, then you can bet it's going to go to the DOJ. And then we're talking about something vastly different than a um, civil trial. Now we'll be talking about a criminal trial. And let's see how arrogant and uh, tough guy that Alex Jones is because he's going to be fucked. I mean, there's no two ways to look at it. He is absolutely screwed. And you could see it on his face when he was testifying. He was turning red. He was puffing out. He was trying to deny things. And the moment he would deny it, then the uh, attorney would pull up a video of him saying exactly what he said, said he didn't say. I mean, this guy is so arrogant. He gets caught every time he opens his mouth. Now, it's going to be interesting to see if they pursue the perjury. There's a possibility they won't. I'm not sure why, but they could. I mean, if the judge recognized that he flat out lied while on the stand, 
it seems like the inevitability would be that they would prosecute him for committing perjury because he clearly committed perjury. They may think he's got too many other things on his plate and they're going to get him for something bigger, but I think they should get him for every fucking thing he does. I mean, not only does this punish Alex Jones, but it sends a message to all these other fucks that are coming up that might try to do the same thing. When they realize and they see that it doesn't work and they are going to be punished for it, I would have to believe they'd think twice about emulating what Alex Jones did. This is going to get very messy. Alex Jones is just the tip of the iceberg. The people that will be caught up in all of these text messages and emails, they know right now that they're fucked too. So this might change a lot of plans for people. I mean, Mark Meadows is in a position where he may be the one that is the most uh, most implicated, the guy that Donald Trump is going to try, uh, try to throw under the bus, which isn't going to work because he's the president. Mark Meadows was really relaying everything to the president. So if he thinks that's his way out, that's not going to work. But a lot of these people might say, well, you know, I may want to testify. Maybe I'll testify. And that's what these January 6th committees have done. They've brought out a lot of evidence and a lot of witnesses, and it's making people nervous. They figure they better talk as opposed to risk going to jail for not complying with the subpoena should they get subpoenaed. It's going to be very interesting. We're at that point in the investigation, the January 6th committee, that things are going to start breaking loose. There was a time when people, including me, said there's no way they're going to indict Donald Trump. Well, they're not saying that anymore. There's just too much out there, too much evidence, and too many witnesses pointing directly at Donald Trump. And the J6 committee, we're seeing that they're laser-focused on Donald Trump. So everything we see from here on out is going to be pointed at Donald Trump. And it's going to be hard for the DOJ and Merrick Garland to say, yeah, we don't want to touch that. They have no choice. They're worried about what would happen if they indicted a former president. But now they have to worry even more about what might happen if they don't. You can't let this stuff go. Otherwise, it will repeat itself by other folks thinking they can get away with it. All right, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Well, we got some good news. (laughs) That seems to be a rarity these days. You don't hear that much good news. But you may recall this deal that Chuck Schumer worked out with uh, Joe Manchin to do this. Well, it's called the Inflation Something Act. Um, It's basically pieces of the Build Back Better bill that were cherry-picked out to try to get it passed. And, and of course, this is pissing off the Republicans, not because it's really going to harm anything or not be good for the people. It's because it's going to be good for the people. It's going to do some wonderful things, and, and they don't like it as long as the Democrats will get the credit for it. Now, it would be nice if they said, we've got a better idea. We can do it this way. But we know that the Republicans have no ideas, no platforms, no policies other than overturning Roe v. Wade and uh, election fraud. That's all they got. 
So it's about time somebody did something for the people of this country so we can get things back on track. And it looked like that with Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin, they finally got this deal done. They can do it on reconciliation, which means you don't need a supermajority of 60 votes. All you need is 51, and they can't filibuster this. So that's the good news. But there was one stick in the mud that might have been a problem, and that is that goofy-ass senator— Kristen Cinema, the Democrat from Arizona. Yeah, she's a Democrat, but she's been very similar to what Joe Manchin has been doing, stopping a lot of the bills that uh, the Democrats want to put through. But Democrats have reached a deal with Senator Kristen Cinema on Thursday, securing her commitment to vote for the climate and health care bill in exchange for making several changes in the legislation. This has been going back and forth, back and forth, and Christian Cinema right now, because Joe Manchin has already signed on, feels she has a little power, and she wants to exercise that power. Well, you better hurry up, Christian, because your future isn't very bright in Arizona, as it is. The Democratic Party in uh, Arizona is looking to get rid of her. They're not even going to back her in the next election. I believe it's in 24. Um So she's got all kinds of problems. But if she didn't sign on this bill, she would have been done, no questions asked. They would have dumped her as fast as they could dump her. But she's decided to sign on. However, she has some changes she wanted. And uh, um, it goes like this. We have agreed to remove the carried interest tax provision. Uh, protect advanced manufacturing and boost our clean energy economy in the Senate's budget reconciliation legislation subject to the parliamentarians review. I will move forward, Cinema said in a statement on Thursday. Here's the ironic thing. She wanted to, they were going to pull out the carry taxed interest provision, which is basically a loophole for rich people to save money. Why is it that Christian Cinema is ready to sign on only if we pull out that carried interest tax provision? She's not that rich, but apparently some people that back her are, and she wanted that in there. So this is what you need to know about Christian Cinema. She's all about helping the people, but not at the expense of the rich. And this has been the whole thing that we've been talking about. People always say, where are we going to get the money to do this? Well, we're going to get it by taxing rich people who aren't used to paying taxes, getting them to pay their fair share. If they just paid their fair share, we could do a lot of things for this country. But for whatever reason, Republicans and Democrats alike don't like causing these people to pay their taxes. And the only reason for that can be is because those rich people are now feeding some other money back into the pockets of our members of Congress. And that's what's fucked up. And again, obviously, it's not just Republicans. It is Democrats, too. Cinema objected to a provision in the bill that would have tightened a tax loophole associated with hedge fund managers. Oh, those fuckers need a break. And private equity executives. She also expressed concern about a 15% corporate minimum tax that's included in the bill. Business groups had lobbied her heavily to oppose both measures. So 
when you look at Christian cinema, if you happen to be in Arizona and you're voting next time, know in your mind that she voted against taxing the rich. She voted against taxing the rich. Now, unless you're really rich, why would you want her to do that? So when you go to the voting booth in Arizona in 24, remember who cinema was and what she's doing for you. She's taking money from you to benefit you and letting the rich pay little or no taxes. That's Christian cinema. That's what she stands for. Cinema said Thursday she would work with Democrats to reform the investor tax provision known as carried interest after the Inflation Reduction Act is signed into law. Oh, you're going to reform that act. That act is bullshit, and you know it. But I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think the Democrats are doing the right thing. They need to get this thing passed to have something happen. Uh, The people of this country need the help. I mean, what's going to happen on December 31st, uh, many people are getting a tax break on their health care. I know I am. I didn't even know I was going to get it, but I did. And uh, if they don't pass something like this come December 31st, your health care is going to probably double. I know mine would. And so they needed to get something done. But it goes back to what I've said before. They need to get some things done. Make Joe Biden look good. Make the Democrats look like they're getting things done for the people. Win the midterms and then grab everything you want. Fuck Joe Manchin. Fuck Christian Sinema. Fuck the Republicans. Get enough of a margin of majority in the House and the Senate where you don't need their bullshit. Get rid of the filibuster. Deal with the Electoral College and start passing stuff and watch those Republicans cry and whine. Following this effort, I look forward to working with Senator Mark Warner to enact carried interest tax reforms, protecting investments in America's economy and encouraging continued growth while closing the most egregious loopholes that some abuse to avoid paying taxes. Yeah, that's what that carried interest thing is. So you want to reform it so so they can still abuse it, but just not as much as they used to? Well, I'll be surprised if you even fucking try to do that because these people own you, these rich people own you, and they're not going to allow you to do it. Christian Cinema needs to do her time through 2024 and they need her to get the fuck out of there. They've got another candidate, a member of the House. I can't remember what his name is, um, but he's going to be running for Senate in a primary against Christian Cinema, And I think there's an excellent chance he's going to win. And he's a much sharper, much more decent human being than Christian Cinema is. Christian Cinema is a political whore for all intents and purposes. She will side with anybody who gives her money. And she proved it here today. Let's get the bill done. Let's get the benefits we can. But once 2022 is over and she becomes inconsequential, fuck her. Go get what we need and what we want. Okay, now here's an interesting story and tells us how things are going with Donald Trump. Attorneys for Donald Trump, the former president, are now in direct talks with officials from the Department of Justice. 
they are talking to the Department of Justice. And that's a bad sign for Donald Trump. You know, up to now, he said, we don't need to talk to anybody. We don't need to do anything. I'm I'm not guilty. I have executive privilege. Well, I've told you before that as much as Donald Trump doesn't think he's going to get indicted, and maybe a lot of people out here in the audience or on TikTok don't think he's going to get indicted, but his lawyers sure the fuck do, and they're putting together strategies and defenses when that happens. And that's part of the reason why they're talking to the Department of Justice. CNN and its breaking news exclusive calls it the first sign of talks between the two sides as the criminal probe into January 26 or January 6, 2021 accelerates. Yeah, it's starting to accelerate. The talks revolve around whether Trump would be able to shield conversations he had while he was president from federal investigators, including whether any communications that witnesses from the Trump West Wing had with the former president can be kept from a federal criminal grand jury under Trump's claims of executive privilege. Under normal terms, maybe that's true. But here's the fucking problem. If those communications were involved in the commission of a crime, There is no more executive privilege. And clearly, there was some criminal activity here. So even if he could make a case for executive privilege, he's not going to get it because he was trying to commit a crime at the time. Legal experts generally default to executive privilege resting with the sitting U.S. president. That would be Joe Biden, and Joe Biden has not extended it. But the DOJ has also not prosecuted former top Trump officials, including Mark Meadows, after Congress voted to convict him on contempt charges for not cooperating with the House Select Committee. Mark Meadows could be a key witness. Trump has specifically been counseled to cut contact with his former White House chief of staff, whose actions lead up to and on the day of the U.S. Capitol insurrection, have been it has been deeply scrutinized by the by the house panel well he's going to cut ties with uh mark meadows mainly because he's going to try to throw him under the bus but it won't work i mean it all comes back to donald trump it all comes down to him making the decisions inciting the riot helping to coordinate facilitate and activate the insurrection Now, in recent months, the former president has ignored advice from his advisors to avoid speaking with former and current aides who have become entangled in the House Select Committee's probe on January 6th and may become part of the criminal investigation people familiar with uh, the matter told CNN. Well, we know for a fact that he already tried to call a future um, witness for the January 6th committee, which might be tantamount to witness tampering, which is yet another crime. New York professor of law and former special counsel at the Department of Defense, Ryan Goodman, pointed to the Meadows News offered this insight. Sounds like Trump, Trump's team worried Meadows will flip and cooperate with the DOJ. Yeah, why wouldn't he? Donald Trump's going to throw you under the bus. You're not the president. You didn't commit these crimes. You probably committed some other crimes. Of course, he's going to flip on Trump, especially if Trump bails on him. Now, Dick Cheney, uh, Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney calls Donald Trump a coward and a threat to our republic in a new ad 
for his daughter, Representative Liz Cheney of Wyoming, who is facing a primary challenger backed by the former president. Yeah, this is interesting. There was an ad. Okay, now Liz Cheney is in a primary with a Trump-endorsed candidate who's fucking nuts. And it's not looking good for Liz Cheney. Um, Of course, most Republicans hate her because she went against Donald Trump and joined the January 6th committee. So it's not looking good for her. So what does Liz Cheney do? She puts out an ad with her dad talking. Her dad, uh, Dick Cheney, who was the former vice president of the United States under George W. Bush. And and let's be honest, Dick Cheney is an evil motherfucker. (laughs) And this evil motherfucker that people thought might have been damaging to our democracy is now calling out Donald Trump as somebody who's even worse than he is. The ad featuring the former GOP vice president offering the lacerating take on Trump was released Thursday, uh, yesterday, weeks before the voters go to the polls. In our nation's 246-year history, there has never been an individual who was a greater threat to our republic than Donald Trump. He tried to steal the last election using lies and violence to keep himself in power after the voters had rejected him, Dick Cheney says in the one-minute ad titled, He Knows It. Cheney goes on to say he is a coward. A real man wouldn't lie to his supporters. He lost his election, and he lost big. I know it, he knows it, and deep down, I think most Republicans know it. Of course, Liz Cheney voted to impeach Trump and lost her position in the GOP. They censured her and took her off her committees. Uh, She is now the vice chair of the House panel investigating the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Dick Cheney said he and his wife were proud of their fearless daughter, saying she was honoring her oath to the Constitution. There's nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. And she will succeed. I am Dick Cheney. I proudly voted for my daughter. I hope you will too. And he ends the ad by saying, Liz Cheney is fighting for her political life ahead of the primary on August 16th as she faces Trump-backed challenger Harriet Hageman. Now, have you seen this Harriet Hageman? She's a fucking piece of work. No question about it. Now, of course, she made all the Trump fans mad because she's one of the 10 Republicans to vote to impeach Donald Trump over his role in the January 6th attack. And this was the time when the Senate did not convict him. Now, we're seeing with the January 6th committee with all this evidence that uh, clearly the Senate was acting in a partisan way and not in a rule of law way. And uh, the Republicans have to answer for that at some point. They have to explain why they didn't do an investigation and why they didn't hold Donald Trump accountable when now he may very well be indicted by the DOJ. Republicans keep stepping on their dick. You know that? Donald Trump does it. Mark Meadows did it. Alex Jones has done it. They keep making huge and stupid mistakes that just basically implicate themselves in just about fucking everything. All right, here's an interesting story and a story that I didn't really think about lately. 
because there's so much other stuff going on. But the police in Louisville, Kentucky, the police who fatally shot Breonna Taylor during a nighttime raid on her apartment, apartment, prosecutors said officers had lied in order to obtain a search warrant for Mrs. Ta- Miss Taylor's home. Now, more than two years after the police officers killed Breonna Taylor during a late-night raid of her apartment in Louisville, Kentucky, the Justice Department just announced a series of federal charges on Thursday against four of the officers involved in the operation that set off the racial justice protest across the country. Now, you remember, the state let them off the hook. They didn't convict these folks. But that's not all they have to worry about. They have to worry about the feds, and the feds are sticking their nose in this shit. Federal prosecutors accused three officers of knowingly including false information in an affidavit used to justify the raid and a fourth officer for firing blindly into Mrs. Taylor's apartment from outside, sending bullets flying into a unit next door where an unsuspecting family slept. They had no business shooting Breonna Taylor. Yet when it went to state court, they got off. Well, yeah, he did the right thing. No, he fucking didn't. He shot a completely innocent woman and then said, whoops, please let me off this so I can go out and do it again sometime. The indictments unsealed on Thursday do not charge either of the two white officers who shot Miss Taylor, a black 26-year-old emergency room technician whose former boyfriend the police were investigating for possibly selling drugs. But the charges are the most aggressive effort yet to hold police officers accountable in a case that has become a rallying cry for Black Lives Matters movement. Now, the officer accused of firing into Mrs. Taylor's apartment, Brett Hankinson, had been tried and acquitted on state charges of endangering her neighbors. They weren't even charging him with shooting Breonna Taylor. They were charging him with shooting into the room and going into the neighbor's apartment. The only officer to have faced charges until now. He is the only person that has faced anything. None had been charged for what prosecutors say was the use of a false information to obtain the search warrant that authorized officers to burst into Miss Taylor's home as she slept next to her boyfriend. Now, police, what they did is they used a battering ram to force their way through the door of the apartment shortly after midnight on March 13, 2020. Miss Taylor's boyfriend, who feared they were intruders, fired a shot that struck one of the officers in the leg. Three officers returned fire, spraying the apartment with more than 30 bullets, six of which struck Brianna Taylor, who was pronounced dead at the scene. Brianna Taylor should be alive today, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland said at a news conference announcing the charges. He said that the officer's false statements on the search warrant affidavit had set in motion the events that led to Miss Taylor's death. The Justice Department has been investigating the Louisville Police Department for more than a year, reviewing complaints of the regular use of unreasonable force and whether police officers who break the department's rules are held accountable. Well, sir, they're certainly not held accountable by the state, the state of Kentucky, the home of Rand Paul, the home of Mitch McConnell. Oh, big surprise. Now, Mayor Garland noted that none of the officers who carried out the raid had been aware that the warrant 
warrant that they were executing had been based on false claims. Prosecuting the two officers who shot Miss Taylor could be difficult. Some legal analysts have said that they are returning fire during what they believe to be a legitimate law enforcement operation. And that is the sticking point. Uh, Her boyfriend did fire at them, but to be perfectly honest, he didn't know they were police. So if somebody's breaking into your house, you have every right to shoot them. So it's really kind of a touchy situation. Miss Taylor's mother, Tamika Palmer, said the federal charge is vindicating her longstanding claim that the police had no right to enter her daughter's home. What we've been saying was the truth, that they shouldn't have been there, she said, later adding, I waited 874 days for today. The case led to intense protest in Louisville and helped spur marches and rallies across the United States as anger boiled over after a series of police killings of black people, including George Floyd, right here in my hometown of Minneapolis. Let's hope they get something on this fucker and there's some accountability for the death of an innocent woman. That's fucking ridiculous. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about another piece of work, another piece of shit, and that is Carrie Lake. When the initial votes in Arizona started rolling in Tuesday night and Carrie Lake was trailing, she and her fellow MAGA allies resorted to a familiar, a familiar election night tactic. They cried foul. But overnight, Lake made up ground she'd lost to Karen Taylor Robson, her main rival for Arizona's GOP nomination for governor. Now, on the cusp of winning the hotly contested primary, Lake and her allies found themselves squirming to explain how the election she was on track to win was still somehow as corrupt and fraudulent as they were already claiming it to be. They said flat out, this is corrupt, this is election fraud. And now they're winning, (laughs) so now they're quiet. I mean, this shows who the Republicans are. They're basically saying every election is corrupt unless we win, and then it's fine. That's fucking ridiculous. Um, Lake said, there is no path to victory for my opponent, and we won this race, period, Lake proudly declared to a group of supporters. But that didn't stop her from cautioning them that fraud was occurring. But there's a ton of problems with the system, the candidate warned, before immediately predicting victory again. We are going to win when the votes are counted. The candidate said, we are not going to take our election systems being messed up. Now, before Lake even spoke, MAGA world pundits were already at work spreading rumors without evidence that election wrongdoing was underway. The far-right blog, The Gateway Pundit, wrote that something suspicious had occurred in the race, adding that it was another Brad Raffensperger special, who's from Georgia, of course. As Lake trailed Robinson late into the evening, others resurrected a set of conspiracy theories from November 2020. One involved in allegations that poll workers deliberately distributed Sharpies to voters that would render their ballots invalid, A second alleged election officials printed ballots on thinner-than-usual paper, leading to the would-be MAGA faithful ballots being tossed out due to ink bleed-through. 
Both were debunked shortly after it was raised after the election in 2020 when Arizona's Pima County tweeted, no ballots will be discarded because of the method used to color in ovals, referring to Sharpie Gate. (laughs) Yeah. But that didn't stop the pro-Trump firebrand Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA contributor Drew Hernandez from launching Sharpie Gate 2.0. I had primal rage today when my family called me and said that they had to rerun their ballot through multiple times, pro-Trump firebrand Charlie Kirk said because the Sharpie bled through the ballot. Similarly, far-right Real America Voice correspondent Ben Berkwam citing an alleged voter he spoke to, claimed that this time around the ballots were uh, printed on thicker paper. Sharpie Gate 2, here we are, echoed Turning Point USA contributor Drew Hernandez. My pillow CEO Mike Lindell, an early outspoken supporter of Lake, attempted to square the ideas of voter fraud and belief of a decisive Lake victory. Now, uh, it's interesting. I got a text today. I'm getting a lot of political texts, and I don't listen to any of them, Democrat or Republican, because I don't know where it's coming from. far as I know, this is spam. <laughs> but I got one yesterday that I really wanted to answer. I didn't because I knew there was no point to it. But I got this text of somebody running for something in the state of Minnesota, And uh, they had a little article, a little link, and a picture of this idiot who's running for whatever the fuck he's running with, a picture with Mike Lindell. Yeah, I'm going to vote for this fucking idiot. I would love to sit down and talk to this guy, put him on the show, whatever, talk to him and explain to me how you're buddying up to Mike Lindell, uh, uh, a consummate failure in everything he does. Everything he's done has been proved wrong. He is going to be financially destroyed when he goes to court with Dominion and their lawsuit of $1.6 billion. But you have to understand what's going on here with Carrie Lake. She said when she was losing that, oh, there's election fraud. But then she wins and she's still talking about election fraud. And the reason she's doing that is she's setting the uh, standard for the general election when she goes against a Democrat. There's an excellent chance that a Democrat will beat her because she's fucking nuts. And that's who we want running against the Democrats. So now if the Democrat comes in and beats her, of course she'll be screaming, I told you there was election fraud. I told you there was election fraud. These people will be exposed for who they are and they will be destroyed. Carrie Lake is the worst of the worst and I feel sorry for Arizona and the people in Arizona if she gets in as governor. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. We had the the state Senate go through the election in 2020. We had the cyber ninjas. They have found nothing. But still, you can't shut your mouth about all this election fraud, even though there's not been one shred of evidence. This is pitiful. It's absolutely pitiful. And she's even screaming about it when she wins. Now, some people will say, oh, she won. Donald Trump supports her. That's, that, that's scary. No, it's not scary. The more people that Donald Trump endorse, the better. 
I know it's going to work against the Republicans when it comes to the general election. And the way I know that is because Mitch McConnell knows that. He's not liking these Trump and Dorsey's winning because he knows it doesn't mean mean anything good for the Republicans. The Republicans are going to lose. Just take a look at Pennsylvania. Fetterman is knocking the shit out of Dr. Oz. Look at uh, Georgia. Um, Stacey Abrams is is beating uh, uh, Herschel Walker. No, it's not Herschel Walker. No, she's beating the incumbent um, governor. Warnock is kicking the shit out of Herschel Walker for the Senate seat down there. Nothing is working well for the Republicans. Everything they do fucks themselves over. So let's just keep them doing that. Let them do that all they want. Because in the end, they're going to be out of power. And thank God for that. All right, we are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for spending time with me today. I hope you have a great day on this uh, Friday. And we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.